Have you ever wondered where you really stand with God? Are you overcome with feelings of guilt because of things you've done wrong? Are you tired of religion that focuses on rules that you can't keep? Have we got good news for you? It's time to listen in on some casual conversation with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski and discover what true freedom is all about. This is Growing in Grace. Hey everybody, welcome to the Growing in Grace podcast. Joel Brzezinski, Mike Kapler here as well as we always do um, this podcast together at growingandgrace.org. Yes, indeed, Growing in Grace, the name of the podcast. You can find everything that we have done podcast-wise at growingandgrace.org. All of the past podcasts are archived there. Check out how to find us on social media and all that stuff. Uh, We've been talking about some really good stuff. This is crucial stuff, I think. Crucial stuff to understand in our lives in Christ regarding this uh, this one verse that we've been talking about, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's a lone verse that's actually part of a bigger passage, and this lone verse gets ripped right out of context. And so last week, I ended up by talking about one verse—John had started his letter, First John. You had mentioned, Cap, last week how John started out his letter not giving a specific person or group of people that he was a- addressing, that he was writing to, not naming them. But it's pretty evident, I think, when you look at the first few verses, that John is talking to people who do not have fellowship with him and do not have fellowship with the Father and with Jesus Christ. It's pretty plain to us that he's addressing unbelievers. That's the first four verses that I kind of read towards the end of last week's podcast. And then as you read the next few verses in the rest of what we know as 1 John 1, that first chapter, he continues on with, this message that he's sharing with those people. It's not until we get to what we call chapter 2, which of course he didn't write in chapters, but you have mentioned something in the past, Cap, that even though John didn't write in chapters, the way that the people set this up when they did add chapters and verses, chapter 2 is pretty fitting because he does change who he's addressing by the time he gets to chapter 2. But in chapter 1, we believe that he is addressing unbelievers, and uh, we're going to try to make that case and uh, share uh, why we think that way. Well, and, and once you begin to see that, at least consider it, if, if you can just open up your mind a little bit and at least consider it as a possibility, then we can start making sense out of other passages and scriptures, even things that John said after chapter 1, later in his book, later in his letter, and as you said, Joel, I mean, we, we spent some time last week pointing out that the reason this is kind of an island, not only an island verse in 1 John 1, 9, but sort of an island chapter, something that's just sort of almost set apart by itself in many ways, is because I think, and maybe we'll find out I'm wrong, but I would challenge any of us to take a look at passages of Scripture in New Testament letters, epistles from the apostles, and, and see if you can find a, a stretch where the writer is addressing unbelievers. I think you'll have a hard time finding it, except in this chapter. <laughs> but if you're under the assumption and you're going to filter everything through the mindset in First John chapter 1, if you're going to filter it through the mindset that, well, he's talking to believers here, then you're going to have a hard time reconciling some other things the apostles 
put down in other writings in, in other books of the New Testament. So you, just for example, some of the language John uses here in the first chapter, again, just trying to put it into the perspective or the context of addressing people who were not believers in Jesus Christ. And uh, some people think this was a group known as Gnostics. We won't hit on that necessarily real hard here. That's certainly a possibility. You might even have notes on the Gnostics in your study Bible. But the point is, he wasn't talking to either Jewish people who would have agreed that people had a sin problem. He wasn't talking to Christians who would have agreed that there was a sin problem. He's talking to people who don't who don't think there's a sin problem. So here's some of the language that he uses in First John chapter one, and, and it's easy to skim over this stuff until you can put on the glasses that says he may not be talking to believers. So here we go. He was talking to people who doubted Jesus came in the flesh. That's how he started out the chapter. He was uh, talking to people with whom he John did not have fellowship. He was talking with people whom John did not have a joy, which was complete. He was talking to people who walked in darkness and did not practice the truth. This was some of the language being used by John in that first chapter. He was addressing people who did not have the truth in them. Of course, Jesus is the truth. People who were not cleansed from their sins, he was talking to them. Why? Because they were people who said they have no sin problem. They have no problem with a sinful condition. And these were people who not only believed that they weren't born into sin through Adam, but claimed not to have even committed a sinful action. These were people proclaiming such things, and, and by doing so, they were declaring God, according to John, they were declaring God to be a liar without having his word in them. Just a quick nudge here on, on verse 9. When the confession or the acknowledgement of sin is made, we, we people, we humans, receive forgiveness and we're cleansed from all unrighteousness, all unrighteousness, once and for all, according to the book of Hebrews. And so, Joel, that's just a some language that gets used by John as he's addressing these people. And to me, the more you look at it with the proper perspective, context, new covenant lenses, whatever you want to call it, when you, when you begin to see that, you can see the language here, especially compared to how he completely changes his tone in chapter two. The language in the first chapter is clearly not addressing Christians. Right. I'm one who personally believes that he was addressing Gnostics, and I have study Bible notes that talk about that, but it, you know, it's not something that I'm real adamant about, and I think the point is, like you said, John's telling these people that he and you know his fellow apostles, his fellow believers, had seen and touched Jesus. These were people who who didn't believe that Je you know that Jesus hadn't come in the flesh. John addresses that. Jesus did come in the flesh. Believers believe that Jesus came in the flesh. He's not trying to convince believers. He's trying to convince people who don't believe that Jesus came in the flesh. Believers already believe that there was a sin problem. Believers already believe that sin was an issue. He's not addressing believers. He's addressing people who don't believe that sin was an issue. Um, he says, I'm declaring this to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These were people who actually believed in God. They believed in 
Jesus, but not certain things about Jesus. They were in the early church. They had kind of infiltrated the early church and were teaching all of this stuff. And John is trying to set this stuff straight. He went on to tell the unbelievers that this is how they can come into the light and be forgiven and cleansed of all unrighteousness. You see, in other Bible passages, we're told that believers are already in the light. Paul said, you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. That's believers. The believer already has fellowship with God. Paul says, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. See, through God's faithfulness, not through anything that we've done. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So we're already in the light. We already have fellowship with God. We're already forgiven and cleansed of all sins. Again, go and listen to the last few weeks of podcasts here on growingandgrace.org, and you'll find what the book of Hebrews says about that. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. Paul knew that the believer was already in the light already forgiven and cleansed of all sins, already had fellowship with God. And I think John knew that too. And so he's trying to get these unbelievers to understand that there's a certain thing about Jesus Christ. He came in the flesh, and you need to believe this. You need to understand that he came to take away sin, that sin really was a problem. And uh, so that's what he's addressing here in this, again, this first chapter before he changes what he's talking about and who he's talking to, the people in this church that he's writing to. First, he's addressing these unbelievers, trying to set some things straight. Yeah, and and watch how things change in chapter 2. But one thing I just want to mention about verse 9 when he says we, don't get tripped up on the word we as if it means we Christians. Clearly it's talking, well, clearly uh, based on what we're talking about here, to me it's clear he's talking about people in general. But, you know, people keep saying we, meaning we Christians, and that's what trips him up. But everything changes. Uh, like we were talking before, I, I think the individual, uh, some people think it's an individual who uh, divided up these chapters, got this one right, because um, right away in, in 1 John chapter 2, now he shifts gears. And he says, my little children, now we have him addressing believers. That's a, a term of affection used by a teacher to their disciples or to their pupils. I'm writing these things to you so that you do not sin. If anyone does, if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the whole world. But he goes on, verse 12, he says, I am writing to you, little children, because, get this now, because your sins have been forgiven. They've been forgiven you for his namesake. That's a a totally different path than what John was talking about (laughs) in in the first chapter. Your sins have been forgiven. And I know know what some of you are thinking. Well, yeah, because they've confessed them. Well, John doesn't know that. Yeah, how does he know? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, how would John know that? But then he he continues, though, verses 13 and 14, chapter 2. He's talking to people who are described as those who know God way different than the first chapter, who have overcome. He's talking to people who have the word of God abiding in them. The word is Jesus. 
he's talking to people who have an anointing from the Holy One in verse 20, people who know the truth in verse 21, as opposed to people who didn't in, in the first chapter. So we see where John takes a look back at the unbelievers and deceivers that he addressed from the first chapter. A liar, he says, denies Jesus Christ. Those who deny the Son do not have the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also, verses 22 and 23. He's talking about a confession of the Son. Chapter 2, John is clearly addressing those who have confessed the Son in chapter 2 of 1 John. You know, he he goes on from there. We'll get into some other things John said, but I I think I'll mention this, Joel. Uh, 1 John 2, 18 and 19, John refers to those who had been among them, but were called Antichrist with a message that denied the Son and the Father. They went out from among us, but were never really of us, is what he said. So those weren't believers who were practicing the truth. They were in darkness. But you, he said, verse 20, you have an anointing from the Holy One. And that anointing was their solution. I'm writing to you, as he said in chapter 2, I'm writing to you so that you won't be deceived by these Antichrists. And the thing that's going to help remedy that is this, the anointing from the Spirit of God who abides in you and will teach you. And so next week on Growing in Grace, more on this one confession that you were talking about, Cap, the confession of the Lord Jesus. That's coming up next week as we continue this series on First John 1 9 on the Growing in Grace podcast at growingingrace.org. This has been Growing in Grace with Mike Kapler and Joel Brzezinski. Heard online through various internet sources around the world each week. To access hundreds of past programs, visit graceroots.org. Share it with a friend and listen again next week for more Growing in Grace.